Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehila Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah. This is Ryan Cabrera, and I've got another Shabbat message from Pastor Nick for you guys, Rediscovering the Holy Spirit. As always, you guys know you can reach out to me at ryan at twopraise.net, ryan, R-Y-A-N, at twopraise.net. Email me your prayer requests, any concerns that you have. Uh, anything that you need, resources, questions, uh, whatever it is, uh, we're here for you. We would love to pray for you. We would love to answer your questions, all that kind of stuff. So, But uh, get yourself geared up and ready to sit back and enjoy this message from Pastor Nick, Rediscovering the Holy Spirit. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Pastor Nick Plummer with Beit Hila Congregation. We, uh, of course, are located uh, in downtown Brandon, Florida. And uh, just east of Tampa here, and so uh, it is my great honor and privilege to bring to you an inspirational message. You know, inspiration means to be inspirited. So it's when God's Spirit, His Holy Spirit, comes in us and inspires us. And we love inspiration. A lot of times we find inspiration uh, through many things, uh, whether it's a song or, or a movie like Rocky. You know, we're all inspired or inspirited in some form or fashion. So I, I want to help you uh, with this teaching, uh, which, which is going to uh, come about. And before I do that, I want to share a few little announcements. Uh, right now, uh, we are currently in the first phase of opening up the state of Florida, praise the Lord. Uh, we, of course, have seen the curve flatten. We didn't inundate our hospitals or medical staff too much. Uh, we are able to allow them to, of course, uh, treat those with coronavirus as well. And uh, we want to pray uh, for all those people that were, uh, that were lost to the coronavirus, that lost their lives to the virus, coronavirus. And we want to just lift them up and their families uh, in, in prayer. And, in, in, and the Holy Spirit would comfort in those families. You know, every day is a gift. And the reality of the coronavirus is here. You know, and so we need to take it seriously. And we need to, of course, follow the guidelines that are set for us. And that's what I've always believed, you know. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. But the good news is the praise report is that the, 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 the curve is going down, the number of cases are going down, the number of deaths are going down, and that is a good sign. Praise the Lord. You know, when, when God plagued the children of Israel in the Bible, there were numbers given in the amount of deaths don't have that in front of me, but if you want to check out my teaching, The Plague, uh, I go into greater detail about that, and I have much more uh, respect and reverence for the Lord after that teaching, uh, and that He is sovereign. So once again, Florida's heading in the right direction. We are in the first phase of opening up the state of Florida, and hopefully uh, in the second phase, we'll of course be able to, I believe, open up our church to at least 50 people, and we'll open up our fellowship hall as well. We'll have of course, we'll follow all the guidelines for people to be safe or whatever. But uh, we are moving forward in patience and in confidence. Also, I want to remind all of you that as we are counting the Omer, uh, May 21st is actually the 40th day in the counting of the Omer. Now, why is that so important to remember? 
because it tells us in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, that Yeshua, Jesus, showed himself for 40 days. And of course, they only had to wait 10 days for the promise of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2. I also want to remind all of you that uh, Yeshua showed himself to over 500 people. That's found in 1 Corinthians 15, 6. So think about this, everyone. He showed himself to over 500 people within 40 days after his resurrection. He showed himself. And so there's many examples of that throughout the gospel. So uh, that's pretty uh, incredible. So think about this. 500 people he showed himself to. And how many people were in the upper room in Acts 2? Around 120. So what about all the other people? You know, it's interesting that could it be that those 10 days people got distracted or weren't in the upper room for whatever reason or didn't get to experience the giving of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2? I don't know. It's just a thought. So once again, uh, and we are going to be, of course, celebrating uh, the Feast of Shavuot on, uh, of course, May the 30th in the evening is actually the Feast of Shavuot. So May 30th on a Saturday night in the evening is the Feast of Shavuot. You can write that down. Once again, we count seven Sabbaths plus one day. That takes us all the way to, of course, Shavuot. So I'm going to put my little notes away here. And I'm going to just actually uh, open up in prayer uh, before I begin this teaching of rediscovering the Holy Spirit. And I just am expecting great things. Father, I thank you for rediscovering the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Father, that there's only one Holy Spirit and there's all these other spirits. And so we bind those other spirits right now in the name of Yeshua. We bind them far from us, even the strong man, Father. And, uh, and we, we ask that you would not uh, just uh, take the yoke off of us, but break the yoke off of us and allow us to receive your sweet Holy Spirit. Father, thank you for the promise of the Holy Spirit through Yeshua. Thank you that it was fulfilled in Acts chapter 2 nearly 2,000 years ago. I thank you, Father, that your Holy Spirit is covering the earth today. Uh, the Holy Spirit will, of course, convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for convicting us and bringing us closer to God. And we ask this in the name of Yeshua of Nazareth. Amen. So let's jump right into rediscovering the Holy Spirit. Of course, we know that we are in the, uh, the mode of counting the Omer and leading up to the great uh, gift of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 that we are expecting great things. So rediscovering the Holy Spirit is going to be a great study for you. For those of you that love academia or the academic things of God's Word, I want to invite you. Uh, four aspects of the work of the Holy Spirit to bring evidence of God's presence and to bless. Once again, four aspects of the work of the Holy Spirit to bring evidence of God's presence and to bless. Number one, the Holy Spirit empowers I'm going to break each one of these down for you. The Holy Spirit empowers, number one. Number two, the Holy Spirit purifies. The Holy Spirit purifies. Number three, the Holy Spirit reveals. The Holy Spirit reveals. And number four, the Holy Spirit unifies. The Holy Spirit unifies. So I'm going to share four uh, main areas of the Holy Spirit. He empowers. He purifies. He reveals, he unifies. And of course, this is taken from the book Systematic Theology, an introduction to biblical doctrine by Wayne Grudem. Okay, this is my resource. This is my source. And just to remind all of you that if you want to go and purchase this particular book, uh, Systematic Theology, you can. I highly recommend CBD, which is Christian Book Distributors. And get on there and check this out. Now, some of you are probably asking, well, what is Systematic Theology? Systematic theology is any study that answers the question, 
what does the whole Bible teach us today about any given topic? So once again, systematic theology is any study that answers the question, what does the whole Bible teach us today about any given topic? So from Genesis to Revelation, I want to go over this. And our topic today is, of course, the Holy Spirit. So let's get in the first thing that the Holy Spirit is doing. Number one, the Holy Spirit empowers. He gives life. Uh, in the realm of nature, it is the role of the Holy Spirit to give life to all animate creatures, whether on the ground or in the sky and sea. Psalm 104, verse 30. So once again, the Holy Spirit empowers. He gives life. In the, in the realm of nature, it is the role of the Holy Spirit to give life to all animate creatures, whether on the ground or in the sky and sea. So let's move on. In Psalm 104.30, once again, here we go. Thou sendest forth thy spirit, they are created, and thou renewest the face of the earth. Once again, notice in the bottom right-hand cor corner, empowers. See, I want to encourage all of you that through this coronavirus and all these circumstances, and, and actually, I would say trauma and, and a disruption of our everyday activities, uh, I want to encourage you in this teaching. I want to encourage you to renew a right spirit within yourself, which is, of course, the Holy Spirit. We all get overwhelmed, okay? And, and, uh, and we all have uh, some worry to deal with or anxiety. But I want to encourage you in this teaching. The Holy Spirit will bring you direction, will bring you shalom, even in a time of crisis. So once again, the Holy Spirit empowers. In John chapter 3, verses 6 and 7, we're going to continue on with the Holy Spirit empowers. In John chapter 3, verses 6 and 7, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Wow, now here is Yeshua talking to Nicodemus, the Pharisee. And he says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Now, why is this so important? I've seen pastors and churches give altar calls, and I think it's great. But I don't think that you should give an altar call in, in regards to heaven or hell. Nobody wants to go to hell. Everyone's going to come down the aisle and come down to the altar because they don't want to go to hell. They want to go to heaven. But once again, a born-again experience it's when your spirit and God's spirit meet. For God is a spirit. Remember what Yeshua said to the woman at the well. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So as you come into a service, you want to worship God in spirit and in truth. Meaning you want to be honest about your worship. You want to be honest about where you're at in life. Is the road that you are on leading to God? So I love this teaching. I'm even encouraged at this time, to share this message. So that's what born again means. It means to be born from above. And so you can believe in God. You can, you can have all these things, because like I said, I was, I was raised Catholic. I believed in God, but I was a backslidden Catholic, not practicing. And in March of 92, my spirit and God's spirit met, and I was born again, born anew. It actually means you became a brand new living species, a new creature, a new creation, Right? Because the old is put away, the old creature, the old nature, right, that, that we want to just put that thing away 
It's like the butterfly coming out of the cocoon. You became a butterfly. So once again, this is about regeneration. Why? Because you're, you're changing the state of your being now. You're changing the paradigm of your very life, the way you look at life, the way you experience life. Because once again, God is a spirit, and you have a spirit, a soul, and a body. Let's continue on. He gives power for service, okay? He's going to empower you for service. Uh, he empowered Bezalel with artistic skills for the construction of the tabernacle and its equipment. Now, check this out. He gives power for service. So the gifts and talents that you have, all of your resources are to be given back to God. Remember, the children of Israel plundered Egypt and took all of those resources and built a tabernacle, a place, a dwelling place for God, a place where they could all circle around, and the tabernacle was the center, the central point, okay? In Exodus chapter 31, verse 3, and also in Exodus 35, 31, he empowered Bezalel with artistic skills for the construction of the tabernacle and its equipment. You know, it's so important that you discover your gifts and your talents, you know, even your very personality, you know, are you an introvert, an extrovert, you know, because then you can develop yourself and be honest with yourself and, and thank God for, for the gifts and the, and, and the talents that he, has, of course, has given you. You know, I have a younger brother, and, uh, and, and he's very good with his hands and car repairs, laying tile and all these things. I just don't quite have that gift. Now, maybe I could apply myself and learn it, but as far as like a natural talent or a real liking to do something like that, that's my brother. Me, I love books. I love to teach. I love to preach. I love to be in public relations around people and stuff. So that's my gift and my talent. So I need to use it for God. So every one of you listening to this teaching have gifts and talents for God. Remember that. You have gifts and talents. Matter of fact, uh, the parable of the talents. He gives all of us talents. He gives us something. And he wants us to use them for his glory and for his purpose to further his kingdom. He empowered Joshua with leadership skills and wisdom. We can find this in Numbers chapter 27 and verse 18. So once again, we see Bezalel was empowered to, to help construct this tabernacle, his artistic skills. Now we're looking at somebody who's been empowered to have leadership. Let's check out Joshua, Numbers chapter 27, verse 18. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee, Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay thine hand upon him. Once again, Joshua's going to be empowered. You know, the Scriptures say, I believe in, in, in one of Paul's letters, I believe it's Timothy, that be careful who you lay hands on. Uh, it's not about cooties or touching somebody or a safe distance. What it's about is be careful, be warned, be cautious about who you give your, you know, authority to or power to or to stand in the stead of, you know, so once again, Moses is a Levite, Joshua is an Ephraimite, and the leadership is going to change from Levi to Ephraim as far as tribes go, but Joshua was, was an Ephraimite, and there's a big difference there, you know, and of course, um, he succeeded Moses, and Moses laid his hands upon him and imparted his authority and power onto Joshua to carry on, of course, the revelation or, or the vision that God had for his people to go into the promised land. So Moses was called the deliverer to bring them out, and of course, Joshua brought them in. Why do I relate to this story? Because Pastor Randy went to be with the Lord, November 17th of 2002. 
and he bought the property and Beit Hillel was well on its way and we got the modular set up, but he never preached one message in, in our new facility. And we had encamped at over eight places, counting the living room. And 1705 Lithia Pinecrest Road is our eighth destination, our eighth encampment. Thank God, God didn't make us do 42 encampments like he did 3,500 years ago with the children of Israel. Now, before I continue on, I only need two people to be excited, okay? So I'm gonna count me and Pastor Russell, who's doing the media, okay? I only need two people to be excited. Stay with me because this is important. This is very important. So Joshua led them into the promised land. Isn't that incredible? At the time of Pesach or Passover. So what an incredible story. So what about some other people did, did God empower by his spirit? Well, after Joshua, we go into the time of the judges, and he empowered the judges to deliver Israel from their oppressors. Now, here are some examples of God's spirit going into a leader or a judge. Othniel, Judges 3.10. Gideon, Judges 6.34. And Samson, Judges 13.25. Okay, once again, what did the Holy Spirit do? What did the Spirit do? It empowered these men, empowered them, inspirited them, inspiration. So as we look at this, the word spirit is number 7307 in the Strong's Concordance. It's the Hebrew word ruach. It's guttural. And it means the following. What is the ruach? What is the spirit? It means wind. Wind. By resemblance, breath. A sensible or even violent exhalation figurative of life. So the word used to refer to the Spirit of God or the Lord, once again, like wind. You know, I was telling my, my, my son Micah that when I was a young child, I would lay in my bed and do all these sound effects and things and, and just come up with some different things. And so I said, you know, Micah, I, I can do the sound of wind. He goes, all right, let me hear it. So this is, this is, my, my, this is, this is my little sound bite, uh, sound effect for wind. Are you ready? Here we go. I know some of you like that. Some of you are probably wondering, this guy is off his rocker. But it's wind, it's breath. Remember, when God made us, we were dirt balls. He made us out of dirt. And, and, he, and he molded us and he fastened us and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Ah, ah, ah. I mean, think about it. He breathed his spirit. Matter of fact, that's the first intimate verse between God and man. God put his mouth on Adam's muddy, dirty lips and breathed his spirit into him. Wow, isn't that incredible? So think about that. It means wind. Remember Yeshua was with Nicodemus. Nobody knows where the wind comes or where it goes. It's a picture of the Holy Spirit. In March of 92, when the Holy Spirit came in like a wind, it changed my life. I had to share this with my friends, and my life was changed. So let's look at some other leaders. Let's look at he empowered David in 1 Samuel 16, 13. He's going to empower David. Because we're going from what? Judges to the monarchy. King Saul was the first king of Israel, and now it's going to be transferred to King David. Throat's a little dry, but we're going to move on. Let's check out 1 Samuel 16, 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Wow. 
The Spirit of the Lord came upon David as a young boy, as a young, young boy, the youngest out of his family. Matter of fact, he was out with the sheep, and, and Samuel's like, do you have any more kids? Yeah, I got this red-haired, ruddy kid out there with the sheep, David, David. And that was the one Samuel was looking for. That was the one the Lord wanted. So, let's continue on. Later, after their return from exile, God put his spirit in the midst of them to protect them and keep them from fear. To keep them from fear. Now, once again, this is an empowerment of God's comfort and purpose. So he's going to, once again, the Holy Spirit is empowering them against a spirit of fear and putting confidence in them. We can find this in Haggai 2.5, no fear. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you, fear ye not. Now what does God's perfect love do? Cast out fear. Some of us don't know the Father's love. We need to know the Father's love. First and foremost, that should be the message that everyone should accept and understand that the Father loves you. Now, maybe your earthly father never told you that he loved you. But our heavenly father has already proven his love for us by giving us his only begotten son. You know, kiss the son, lest he be angry with you. So once again, <coughs> we can see here, no fear. That's an empowerment. Right now, there's a lot of people with fear. But God's perfect love will cast out fear. So that's what we pray right now. Father, we come against the spirit of fear. For anyone that is watching this right now, we command the fear to go in the name of Yeshua, and let them be empowered by your real kakodesh, your sweet Holy Spirit, in Yeshua's name, amen. Okay, now listen, this is about empowerment. We need to be empowered in many different ways. We talked about people's skill set or their gifts. He empowers you to do that. He empowers leaders, right? He empowers you not to have fear through his Holy Spirit. But now look, now look what we have here. This is really good. The empowering work of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament is seen first and most fully in his anointing of Yeshua as the Messiah. The empowering work of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament is seen first and most fully in his anointing of Yeshua as the Messiah, once again, the greatest leader to ever walk this earth. Look at this empowerment of Yeshua. Let's find this in, in Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water... And lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. Wow. We're looking at the Godhead here in this example, the Godhead in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. So here's Yeshua coming up out of the water. He's baptized, baptismo. He's doing a mikvah. He's being immersed for the sake of righteousness to follow it. Why? Because the children of Israel came out of Egypt went through the parting of the Red Sea, and they were baptized as well. So Yeshua was falling in line with the children of Israel as well. Continuing on, as we confirm this Godhead, lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Once again, audible, came from heaven. Holy Spirit's in the water with Jesus, Yeshua, like a dove. Here's the voice coming from heaven. What a great example of the Godhead. Amen. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's all right here. Take the scriptures literal. 
literally. Take the scriptures literally, okay? All right, let's move on. The Holy Spirit also empowered Yeshua's disciples for various kinds of ministry. We can find this in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Let's read it. But you shall receive power after that. The Holy Ghost is come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Isn't that interesting? But you shall receive power after that. The Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, geographically speaking, let's look at this. He's talking about the West Bank, Judea and Samaria, the heart of Israel. You're going to have power. You're going to be witnesses. And unto the uttermost part of the earth, Brandon, Florida. Brandon, Florida is located over 6,000 miles away from Jerusalem. But think about it. There's going to be witnesses and an empowerment in Judea and Samaria. That's why you have Hayovel, an organization that's located in Harbrachah, the Mount of Blessing, that is coming alongside the Jewish farmers, the Jewish people, and blessing them and helping them. And that's why they are able to do the harvest like they do. They have a, a pruning time over there for the harvest. Uh, the harvest is in the fall. They have a planting time. And once again, it is to help the Jewish farmers, boots on the ground to help them. Uh, this word power is the Greek word dunamis. It means a force, literally or figuratively. Especially miraculous power, ability, abundance, and it means strength. So this dunamis power, some say that, that this is the Greek word where we get the word dynamite. Amen. Now, would you want to be a little firecracker or a stick of dynamite? I'd rather be a stick of dynamite. So this word power is dunamis. It means force, literally or figuratively, especially miraculous power, ability, abundance, and strength. You know, when we are weak, he is strong. See, the Holy Ghost leads, the devil drives. Remember that. The Holy Ghost will lead you. The devil will drive you. So ask yourself, am I being driven? Ask yourself. Let's continue on. This is incredible. Let's see here. Acts 1.8, once again, but you shall receive power after that. The Holy Ghost has come upon you. I've read this. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Once again, I can see the PowerPoint in the back now. I'm at Acts 1.8. So once again, he's empowering you. Now, if he's going to empower people for their gifts and talents, if he's going to empower people that are in leadership, if he's going to empower you to get rid of fear and have his Holy Spirit, he will empower you for everyday activity in your life. He will empower you. So we're moving on here. <clears throat> in general, we can say that the Holy Spirit speaks through the gospel message as it is effectively proclaimed to people's hearts. I want to read that again. In general, we can say that the Holy Spirit speaks through the gospel message as it is effectively proclaimed to people's hearts. We can find this in Acts chapter 4, verse 8, Acts chapter uh, 4, verse 31, and Acts chapter 6, verse 10. We can find this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5. Once again, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12, and in the book of Revelation chapter 22 and verse 17. Let's look at a few verses here as, as far as this goes, as the gospel uh, is empowered by the Holy Spirit. We have, of course, 
Peter in Acts chapter 4, verses 8 and 31. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel. Right? He's empowered now. He's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he's, he's, giving, he's giving an altar call here. He's giving a message. Okay? Now, listen to me on this. God created the concept of the gospel to be preached so everyone gets the same opportunity to hear it and be changed. What are you saying, Pastor Nick? You have to preach the gospel in your church. You have to give people an opportunity to hear the gospel and accept it. Once again, check this out. God created the concept of the gospel to be preached so everyone gets the same opportunity to hear it and be changed. It's like the sower with the seed, which is the word, and it goes forth. In the end, you want it to bring forth a hundredfold return. But different things happen as the gospel is preached. You can find the four different uh, types of geographical area or territory that it falls on, but you want it to take root and bring forth fruit. And so think about it. Acts 4.31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. With boldness. So now they're empowered to preach this gospel, not be ashamed. We have 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5. Paul says, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but in power and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as ye know that, or as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. So it's not the enticing words of a man, but it is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit through the words of the gospel. See? And once again, you have this Greek word power, dunamis. It means ability, abundant strength. And that's what happens. We build our confidence up through the Holy Spirit. When spiritual gifts are active, it is another indication of the presence of God or empowerment. We can find this in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. And I want to point out to you verses 7 and 11. So once again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 11, is the reference. We're going to look at verse 7 and 11. So when spiritual gifts are active, it is another indication of the presence of God. Or what? You're witnessing an empowerment. So important. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. What about 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11? But all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. It's called the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. Just like speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues found in the New Testament, okay, in the church of Corinth. It is scriptural. It's real, okay? And it shows the manifestation of the Holy Spirit when you have these things. It's another weapon, a tool, arsenal, okay, if I could say it like that. Amen. If I had a whole bunch of gifts on a table and I took one of the gifts off the table and said, well, you really don't need this. You'd be like, no, no, I want that gift. Leave the gift on the table. And that's what the gift of tongues is with interpretation. It is a gift from God via the Holy Spirit. Let's continue on. 
The Holy Spirit empowers people to overcome spiritual opposition to the preaching of the gospel in God's work in people's lives. This power in spiritual warfare was first seen in the life of Yeshua. Matthew chapter 12, verse 28. Let me read that again. The Holy Spirit empowers people to overcome spiritual opposition to the preaching of the gospel and God's work in people's lives. This power in spiritual warfare was first seen in the life of Yeshua. Matthew 12, 28. Let's check it out. Here's Yeshua. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Wow. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And it's interesting what he says, and you can go in and keep it in context. He says, by the finger of God, I cast out devils. Now, what was written on stone tablets? And by what tool? The finger of God is the one who wrote the Torah on the stone tablets. And he's saying, by the finger of God, I cast out devils. It's the same finger that wrote the Torah. I love that. I love that. He says, but if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. Remember, it's the Holy Spirit versus the occult. Maybe we'll share that next week. What's the difference? What's going on here? What if I dabble in the occult? What if I do this? What if I do that? Well, then you're going to quench the greed of the Holy Spirit. It won't be good for you. But I love this because it goes on to talk about, there's Yeshua. But what about Paul? But the apostle Paul confronts Elymas, the sorcerer. In Acts chapter 13, verses 4 through 12, once again, it's the Holy Spirit versus the occult. And the Holy Spirit will always win in the end. The Holy Spirit will always push out the occult. That's why the church services are so important. As we come together and we do the spiritual exercises, we pray, we read our Bible, we worship. We're pushing out familiar spirits. We're pushing out the occult, and it's real. The occult is very seductive, very, very seductive, very seductive. But the Apostle Paul confronts Elymas, the sorcerer. Let's, let's check out this particular story. I think this is relevant for today. Acts chapter 13, verses 8 through 11, let's read it. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him, right? So here's the influence of the occult, of the sorcerer under another spirit. And, 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 and what is he doing? He's filled with the Holy Ghost. He sets his eyes on him. And said, O fool of all subtlety, and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? So he's calling out the spirit that's stopping Elymas from hearing the gospel and those around him. And look at what happens here. How encouraging is this? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Paul struck the sorcerer, Elymas, with blindness because he was disrupting the gospel message. And, and of course, it, the gift of distinguishing between spirits, right? 1 Corinthians 
given by the Holy Spirit, is also to be a tool in this warfare against the forces of darkness, as is the Word of God, which functions as the sword of the Spirit. You can find this in Ephesians 6, 17. And and this is, of course, the sword of the Spirit in spiritual conflict. So remember, the shield of faith is able to quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. Above all, take the shield of faith, and the sword is the Word of God. That's an offensive weapon that can do damage. So we have to have something that's going to distinguish the spirits because there's only one Holy Spirit. We have to distinguish between the Holy Spirit and another spirit. And that's what was happening here. We go on to talk about it. In 1 Corinthians 12, 10, Paul says, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. So these are operating in the church of Corinth, right? Which is so important. The discerning of spirits. There's spirit of lust. There's a spirit of greed, okay? A a spirit of lying. So what is the discerning of spirits? To find out what spirit's operating. You know, it's interesting as as you get married and and your husband and wife and you come together, you have to really reflect and look back on your family and and look at some curses that might have been handed down. Maybe it's the, the, the curse of divorce. Maybe it's the, I know I talked to one gentleman who said that lying runs in his family, the spirit of lying, and he wanted to break that. You know, he would just not tell the truth or fib or lie. And he couldn't understand it. And he looked back on his his own mother and grandmother, and, and, and it reflected that, that that was handed down. And it was a pattern. Remember, you're looking for patterns of bad behavior or, or patterns of misconduct, okay? And so we have to have the discerning of spirit. So when we lift up holy hands and you yield yourself to the Holy Spirit, those other spirits have to go. Continuing on, especially in Ephesians six seventeen, we talked about this. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Once again, we are looking at the empowerment. So that was part one of the Holy Spirit. (coughs) That was part one. We need to be empowered, and that's what the Holy Spirit will do. Some of you feel beat down. You feel like, gosh, I just feel like I have another spirit or something, or I feel lethargic. Well, you got to get out of it. you got to snap out of it. The Holy Spirit empowers. Now, number two, let's go into number two. The Holy Spirit purifies. This is where it gets to be personal, especially when it comes to self-examination, or I call it a personal spiritual audit. The Holy Spirit purifies. <laughs> One of his primary activities is to cleanse us from sin and to sanctify us or make us more holy in actual conduct of life. You know, they got these self-help books and, 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 and your own willpower and all that. But I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit will purify you. And we, we find this in 1 Corinthians uh, 6, 11. Let's check it out. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Once again, 1 Corinthians 6, 11. But you are sanctified, set apart. There's a ceremonial part, you know, washing, washing of the water of the word, right? Washing. And by the Spirit of our God, you are purified. Amen. That's why when you feel guilty about something or your conscience kicks in, that's the Holy Spirit. That's a sign of the Holy Spirit. Like you did a wrong or something happened, it will purify you. He brings the fruit of the Spirit within us and those qualities that reflect the character of God. 
Boy, I tell you, this is powerful, isn't it? Because in Galatians 5, 19 through 21, we have 17 works of the flesh, which isn't good. And by the way, I think most of us are in the flesh. We're not, we're not you know, full of demons or devils. I think we're just in the flesh. You know, we just, we just you know, have outbursts of anger and different things. But let's, let's get into the, the fruit of the Spirit here. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for purifying us. So here we are. This is the fruit of the Spirit, these nine things. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. It means that there is no charge. When you walk in these things, you are going to be keeping the Torah. You're going to be keeping the law. You're going to be in right standing. Because remember, sin is violation of the law. That's what it is. So let's continue with the purifying aspect of the Holy Spirit. Sanctification comes by the Holy Spirit. Sanctification comes by the Holy Spirit. See, the occult and familiar spirits never want to sanctify you and separate you, okay, to consecrate you. They want to make your life miserable. They want you to be confused. They want you to be, uh, you know, stubborn and all these things. But the sanctification comes by the Holy Spirit. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, 2 Thessalonians 2.13, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, and Romans chapter 8, verses 4 and 5. Once again, the, the study of systematic theology is giving you an overview of a subject, which is the Holy Spirit, in which we are doing today. Hope you're encouraged. Let's check out 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Wow. So we're being changed. Our perspective is changing. You know, it's like I know what it's like to be a sheep, but now I know what it's like to be a shepherd. It's a paradigm. You know, I, I looked at life a certain way, and then when I got the Hebrews of the Christian faith, my whole paradigm, the way I look at life, the way I want to live my life, changed, literally changed. And that's part of the purification. And it's a process. It is a process. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, once again, purifies. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. You know, some of you are wondering, how do I pray to be purified? How do I, how do I pray to be sanctified? Well, just read the verse. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. Check this out. The sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, when the, uh, <clears throat> and it's interesting, when the priests were being, you know, uh, consecrated, the consecration process, uh, the seven-day process in the eighth day, they took the ram of consecration, the blood from the ram, and they applied that blood of the consecration of the ram, the second ram, on their ears, their thumbs, and their big toe on the right side of their body. So here we are applying the blood of Jesus, the blood of Yeshua, to our life. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. Let's continue on. 
in Romans chapter 8, verses 4 and 5, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Once again, the Holy Spirit empowers. Now he's what? He purifies. He purifies. And that's, that's why this, this, this quarantine is allowing us to literally be purified, sanctified, set apart, quarantined, you know. It is by the Spirit that we are able to put to death the deeds of the body and grow in personal holiness. Romans chapter 8, verse 13. Love the book of Romans. Romans 8, 13. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. I'll give you an example here. Some of us have to go to Walmart or go to a store or have this distance of six feet and different things, and, and people are crabby and mean and saying things, you know. And I, I heard of a story of a woman who went to Walmart, and, and, uh, and she was sitting there, and she was in line, and this one lady was just coming up on her, and the cashier was like telling the lady to keep the distance, keep six feet back. And she cursed and carried it on and just wouldn't be quiet, totally in the flesh, wouldn't follow the rules. And so the person in line was even called a bad name. But she just kept looking forward. She would not engage the woman who was totally in the flesh. And that's really what the enemy wants to do. He wants to provoke you, to prod you, to exchange evil for evil and all these things. So when people carry on, you know, uh, I had a situation where I was six feet apart. And I love this story. Last week, I was just six feet apart. And this woman comes in and just goes right in between me and the other cart. And I just looked at her, you know, and smiled. And then I said, I don't believe this is happening. But I let it go. And I, of course, backed up. But I was following the rules. But I didn't get upset or mad or respond in that way because that's not what you want to do. So there are some great examples here for us to follow uh, uh, even now as, as, we, as we see this. Um, and that's, of course, Romans 8, 13. So let's, let's check it out. Let's go over a review here. The Holy Spirit's going to empower you. The Holy Spirit's going to purify you. Well, how about this? Oh, this is the best one. The Holy Spirit reveals. You ever heard of a reveal party? Is it a boy? Is it a girl? The reveal party. It's just like with my wife and I, you know, the, the reveal party. Is it going to be a boy? Is it going to be a girl? We don't know. We just pray the baby's healthy. I know and I hear it's a 50-50 chance, whether it's a Son or a daughter. So the Holy Spirit reveals, okay? The whole of the Old Testament scriptures came about because men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit, 2 Peter 1.21. So now the Holy Spirit is revealing stuff. The whole of the Old Testament scriptures came about because men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So they were not speaking their words, but God's Spirit, the words that God's Spirit gave them. 2 Peter 1.21, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That's the actual verse. I gave you a little bit of a review there. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And it's amazing, it's amazing how we have the Word of God and how inspired it is. The infallible word of God. Believe every word of it. 
So he gives evidence of God's presence in Numbers chapter 11, verses 25 and 26, in John chapter 1, verse 32, and of course in Acts chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. So once again, the Holy Spirit is going to continue to reveal. In Numbers chapter 11, verses 25 and 26, this is what it says. And the Lord came down in a cloud and spake unto him and took of the spirit that was upon him and gave it unto the 70 elders. And it came to pass that when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied and did not cease. Wow, so now there's a delegation going on here. So the the spirit that was in Moses was going to be transferred to, of course, what? 70 elders. They're going to all have and share the same Spirit of God, the same Holy Spirit. But look what happens. But there remained two of the men in the camp. The name of the one was Eldad and the name of the other Medad. And the Spirit rested upon them as well. And he goes on to say, And they were of them that were written, but went not out unto the tabernacle, and they prophesied in the camp. Wow. So the 70 elders received the same spirit that Moses had, the Holy Spirit. The 70 elders received the same spirit Moses had. And now you have, uh, of course, Eldad and Medad actually accepted and received this as well. And God allowed it to happen. God allowed it to happen. Isn't that incredible? That is so awesome. We don't have a monopoly on the spirit of God. We want it to fall on everyone. Moses even said, I wish they would all prophesy, right? I mean, really, think about it. All of Israel. In John chapter 1, verse 32, And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. Now, John sees this. So it was revealed to him. He couldn't have seen it unless the Holy Spirit led him, or he could actually tangibly see it with his own eyes. And John bare record. So something was revealed to him, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. Yeshua, the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Remember the wind? And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. So once again, this was revealed. That's why Revelation for something to be revealed is greater than knowledge or just reading about something. Revelation knowledge is what's important. What does God reveal to you? I know when I first got saved and born again in my apartment in the evening of that, of that, of that day in, in March of 1992, I know that the Holy Spirit came down and revealed so many things to me personally that changed my life. So let's check this out. He guides and directs God's people in Acts chapter 8, verse 29, Acts chapter 10, verses 19 and 20, and Acts chapter 11, verse 12, also in Acts chapter 13, verse 2. Once again, the Holy Spirit empowers, the Holy Spirit purifies, the Holy Spirit reveals. In other contexts, the Holy Spirit gave direct words of guidance to people saying to Philip, for example, go up and join this chariot. Acts chapter 8, verse 29. Or telling Peter to go with three men who came to him from Cornelius' household. Acts chapter 10, verses 19 through 29. Acts chapter 11, verse 12. Or how about directing the Christians at Antioch? 
set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Acts chapter 13, verse 2. Just like God has revealed to me by his Holy Spirit to allow the Orthodox Jews to come, reconciliation of Jews and Christians, to let them come, let them share. And they've been coming. Amen. So once again, the Bible's not going to tell you whether you should get in your car or not and go here and go there. The Bible's not going to tell you to make that phone call that you need to make to somebody. I know one time uh, it was revealed to me that someone was depressed and hurting, and, and the Holy Spirit said, call them and tell them that I'm thinking of them and love them. And I called them on the phone, and they answered, and I said, I want you to know something. I was at my desk, and I was praying for you, and God wanted me to tell you that he loves you. They cried because they were having a tough time. They were wondering if, if God even cared. And when they heard the news of that, they said, God really does love me. Why? Because God always uses people to reach people. Don't be selfish. Be giving. Once again, he provides a God-like atmosphere when he manifests his presence. Because the Holy Spirit is fully God and shares all the attributes of God, his influence will be to bring a God-like character or atmosphere to the situations in which he is active. Because he is the Holy Spirit, he will at times bring about a conviction of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Once again, this is revealed. This is the promise that Yeshua gave in John chapter 16, verses 8 through 11. Let's check this out. He will at times bring about a conviction of sin, righteousness, and judgment. John 16, verses 8 through 11. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and ye see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Check this out. He will reprove the world of sin or convict the world of sin because they don't believe in Jesus. Why did Jesus come? He came because of sin. So because he came because of sin, he was able to go to the right hand of the Father because he fulfilled the righteousness of taking our sins away. And of judgment, because he came to destroy the works of the devil, to give us back the keys to the kingdom. Isn't that a good word? That's a good word. Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. How many meal delivery companies are there out there? Uber Eats, Grubhub, you know, all these, all these restaurants that can just, Deliver food right to your door. But let me tell you something. The kingdom of God is not Grubhub or Uber Eats, but it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, I've had times where I've lost my joy. I've lost my peace. And I realize I'm out of the kingdom because righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost is the kingdom of God. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. You know this song. That's where we want to be, especially now in these times. He gives us assurance, right? As he reveals, he gives us assurance. The Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, Romans 8, 16, and gives us evidence of the work of God within us. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit which he has given us in 1 John 3, 24. Once again, the Holy Spirit reveals. Here are the verses. Romans 8, 16, an assurance. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit 
that we are the children of God. Who's going to confirm that and comfort you with that but the Holy Spirit, that you are the children of God. 1 John 3, 24, And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him, and hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. Once again, he reveals. He reveals. Okay? It's important. It's important that you know this. He teaches and illumines. Another aspect of the Holy Spirit's revealing work is teaching certain things to God's people and illumining them so that they can understand things. Yeshua promised this teaching function especially to his disciples when he said that the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. John 14, 26, and said, he will guide you into all truth, John 16, 13. So how do we know if we have the Holy Spirit? He'll bring to remembrance the words of Jesus in the Gospels, in the New Testament. That's why you need to read the Gospels. Teaches and illumines. John 14, 26. Teaches and illumines. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Does everybody see that? But the Comforter, Paracletos, one come alongside, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Once again, he reveals. The illuminating work of the Holy Spirit is seen in the fact that he enables us to understand. We have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is from God that we might understand the gifts bestowed on us by God, 1 Corinthians 2.12. Therefore, the unspiritual man does not receive the gifts, literally things of the Spirit of God. The natural man cannot receive it. But the spiritual man judges all things, 1 Corinthians 2, verses 14 and 15. We should pray that the Holy Spirit would give us his illumination and thereby help us to understand rightly when we study Scripture or when we ponder situations in our lives. We can say, help me. Holy Spirit. Let's look at some examples of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 through 15. Once again, teaches and illumines. Gives you a light, lights it up. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things which are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth. Continuing on but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So many people are, are, are using their natural man, natural man, in the nature of man. Naturally, no, you can't receive the things of God that are in the Spirit. But it goes on to say what? But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. Remember, the God of this world has blinded the minds of those to the gospel. The God of this world has blinded the minds of those in this world to the gospel. But let's look at this. The final gift, the final subject in regards to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to what? Empower you, purify you, 
and reveal things to you. Come on, somebody. Last but not least, let's check it out. The Holy Spirit unifies like Legos. Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 32. But there is an emphasis on the Holy Spirit coming on a community of believers, not just a leader like Moses or Joshua, but sons and daughters, old men and young men, men servants and maid servants. All will receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in this time. This is one of the most important things, I think, out of the four things of the Holy Spirit. It unifies. This is what we need. In Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 32, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. These are, these are three generations in one, in one dwelling place, right? These are three men's or three people, three generations in one house. Why? Because the sons and daughters will prophesy, young men have visions, old men, what? Dream dreams. Right there, three generations. We continue on in verse 29 of Joel 2. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit, and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness. Now we're having some, some signs in the heavens as God's spirit is poured out on the earth and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Once again, Peter quotes Joel. So you see in the Holy Spirit being poured out, sons and daughters prophesying, young men having visions, old men dreaming dreams, and signs in the heavens, Boy, it looks like it's happening today. Once again, the Holy Spirit unifies. Paul blesses the Corinthian church with a blessing that seeks the unifying fellowship of the Holy Spirit for all them when he says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. 2 Corinthians 13, 14, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Once again, systematic theology a lot of scriptures. Let's look at these scriptures, how the Holy Spirit is unifying us. We're finishing up here. Finishing up. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. A right spirit, the Holy Spirit. I know when I have another spirit and when I have the Holy Spirit. My wife can tell me that. You know, we can, we can tell that to each other. How about Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, unifying the Holy Spirit? If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. As we resume services in the near future, we need to be united in our spirits and not bicker and fight and bite one another and devour one another. Because the idea that the Holy Spirit unifies the church is also evident in the fact that strife, disputes, dissensions, factions, in Galatians 5.20, are desires of the flesh that are opposed to being led by the Spirit. Galatians 5.18 and 25. Actually, Galatians 5, verse 18 and verse 25. The Holy Spirit is the one who produces love in our hearts. Romans 5.5 and Galatians 5.22 Colossians 
And this love binds everything together in perfect harmony. Colossians 3.14. So if you feel like you're in the flesh, just bow your head. Kneel down. Say a prayer. Say, I'm a little frazzled. I'm a little rattled right now. Therefore, when the Holy Spirit is working strongly in a church to manifest God's presence, one evidence will be a beautiful harmony in the church, community, and overflowing love for one another. Amen? We're getting into the fruits of the Spirit, aren't we? <laughs> but look at this. We have to deal with the flesh in closing here. Galatians chapter 5, verses 18 through 25. Check this out. I've quoted this so many times. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. Envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Once again, the Holy Spirit unifies. 17 works of the flesh. Fruit of the Spirit has nine qualities and traits. Romans 5, 5, And, and hope maketh not a shame, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Last reference here, Colossians chapter 1, verse 8. Colossians chapter 3, verse 14. Colossians 1, 8. Who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. What a great letter. Who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. Colossians 1, 14. And above all these things put on charity, which is love, which is the bond of perfectness. 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 Having love. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love keeps no record of wrong. You can check this out in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. So in closing, four aspects of the work of the Holy Spirit to bring evidence of God's presence and to bless. Can't stress this enough. What a relevant teaching for today. Number one, the Holy Spirit empowers. That's right, empowers you right now as you're watching this. Number two, the Holy Spirit purifies. Quit looking at the president and the CDC and the government and everyone around you and judging them and calling them out. Get the two by four out of your eye. God will show you how to get the splinter out of their eye. The Holy Spirit purifies. Do a spiritual audit. Work on yourself. Number three, the Holy Spirit reveals. Actually, one of the promises Yeshua said is the Holy Spirit will show you things to come. And last but not least, we need this as we come back together as Beit Tehillah. The Holy Spirit unifies. And right now, the Holy Spirit is unifying us. As you are watching this, I feel unified with you by the Spirit of God. I do feel connected to all of you that are part of the community that I haven't seen or talked to. We are connected by the Holy Spirit. And it will unify us. It unifies us. And once again, I want to share the source of my information and my teaching here. It's from the book, Systematic Theology, an introduction to biblical doctrine by Wayne 
Grudem. So let us close in prayer. And I just pray that you are inspired from this message. I know that I am. Uh, I'm going to slow down and rethink some things. So, Father, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that we ask for forgiveness for quenching or grieving the Holy Spirit. And we, we come against any other spirit, Father, that is not your Holy Spirit. And, and we thank you that we can, we, can, we can pray in tongues and we can have interpretation of tongues and we can be edified by, by speaking in tongues personally. And, and, Father, we just thank you for the gift of your rural kakodesh, of your sweet Holy Spirit, like the wind. We don't know where it comes and where it goes, but the wind of your Spirit is blowing upon the earth. Father, I pray for a fresh breath of your Holy Spirit upon Beit Tehillah, upon everyone watching, a refreshing of the Holy Spirit. Father, your people are sick and tired of being sick and tired. Give them a refreshing as we repent, as we bow down, as we confess our sins to you, and we just get, get purified by your Holy Spirit. We're going to be positioned in a better place. And we ask all of this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. I love you and I appreciate you. And if you want to reach me through my email, pastornick at twopraise.net, love to hear from you. I will respond back. Uh, Shabbat Shalom, take care, and looking forward to being back together soon.